Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Decker. It is it's Tuesday night after Christmas. We are looking at one game this week and one that was postponed and a whole lot of uncertainty coming up. Dave, how are you doing? Christmas was okay for me. Uh, how was yours? We know how the Blazers was. They had a game postponed versus the Nets and then a loss to the Mavericks, which was not very pretty. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I mean, how was your Christmas, Dia? How, how are you? It was okay. Christmas is a lot different uh, as an adult than it is as a kid, obviously. And it's even more different when you have children of your own and you don't always have those children. You know, I'm not with their dad anymore. And so we split our time. Um, So I don't always get them. And I only had them for part of the day on Christmas. And it was was a little sad for me to, you know, but we made the most of the time that we had. My family is all up in Oregon. So my, you know, my parents are up there now and visiting up there. So it was, it was a quiet Christmas for me. I'm glad to be healthy and my children are healthy and I can't really complain about that. So how was yours? How was your Christmas? Yeah, I have a similar arrangement. This is our first Christmas as a split family, I suppose you would say. So, but I work on Christmas Eve, like till all hours of the night. So we arranged it. So Christmas Eve would be with my ex and uh, Christmas Day would be with me, which was kind of fun. And it's funny because it's a total role reversal. When the kids were little, they were always waking me up. Dad, Dad, it's Christmas. Let's get up. And, you know, and now they're like 14 and 11 and they like to sleep late. So it's like 1230 in the afternoon. I'm like, kids, kids, let's get up and open presents. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. And I bounced on my son's bed. to get up, get up, get up. He's like, later. So (laughs) it was was kind of fun. I, um. Enjoyed Christmas Day itself, but yeah, the season is fraught with tension and all that other stuff. So yeah, I, I empathize with you, and and so too for the Blazers. They did not get to play the Brooklyn Nets uh, because the Nets were swamped with COVID uh, yeah. protocol cases. Unfortunately, the Blazers did get to play the Dallas Mavericks, <laughs> and Damian Lillard played in that game. Luka Doncic did not, which you think would give the Blazers an advantage, but Kristaps Porzingis was so tall, and the Blazers were without use of Nurkic <laughs> protocols, without Cody Zeller, fractured patella, yeah. and uh, also protocols. They, so our tallest player was Robert Larry Covington. Nance? Yeah, Robert Covington, also out. So yeah, Larry Nance Jr., and a bunch of players under you know 6'7". No C.J. McCollum either. So yep. Lillard acquitted himself okay. I mean, he, he obviously tried to carry the team, and in some years, that would have been a decided advantage, but this is 2021, Dame, which means almost as many shots as points. And he was more efficient than that in this game, but you can see the struggle. It's still real. It's still there, even when he's producing his best, best numbers of the uh, season. Also, his numbers are coming off of drives, and he's driving hard. He got a lot of foul shots in this game, which is great, but he took quite a beating, and you could see him go up and down with that. And meanwhile, Porzingis was just wrecking the blade 
lasers, and it wasn't a physical attack. It was just that it, the, the Mavericks would post him, and if the shot wasn't there, they would repost, and he would have a six-inch height advantage and, of course, yeah. a long reach advantage and just played a little bit old school in the post, made a few passes. Uh, the Mavs made cuts. The Blazers were playing players who were unfamiliar with each other, uh, some of them unfamiliar with the NBA entirely, and so Dallas just just kind of steamrolled them. And uh, it's discouraging to see. It's like throwing up your hands, of course. Yeah, why not? Just add insult to injury. But it was it was just a, a limp, difficult game. And all you can do is laugh and say, oh, well, I mean, the, the entire league is scrapping and so are the Blazers and we'll see if something decent happens. But otherwise, I guess we're watching basketball, even if it's not up to the usual level of quality. It's a tough situation that we're in right now as you know fans as with the nba we definitely struggled through that game and i think you know we have this ongoing conversation we have for the year that we've been doing this podcast we've we've continually talked about the the lack of size on this team and the fact that we are working with small players and and yeah you know six three isn't that crazy for a point guard but when everybody else in the starting lineup is also 63 uh it's an it's a disadvantage it just is no matter what direction you look at it it's a disadvantage the only way that even seemingly works is if those players are all fantastic defenders not just like good defenders but fantastic which i feel like we've talked about before and ours are not which is fine but it doesn't work and so, you know, that's an issue with our normal starting lineup. But then to lose all of our height that we had is a struggle. On top of that, then, you know, the Mavs have been in protocols for a while. So this was not their first game playing with these guys, even though they had quite a few G League guys. I think they had one less than we. I think they had six and we had seven. That's not right. We had six. We were missing seven players. They were missing six. So I guess we would have had six and they would have. Anyway, we. I think we had one more than they did. But they've been playing together, this group, with these G League guys for at least a couple games. Ours were literally flying into town the day before this game. Some of these guys probably never even met. They'd never played basketball together before. You know, these are guys that are coming from some with some G League teams. They're running the same offense. They're running the same defense as their NBA counterpoint counterpart, whatever that word is. <laughs> um, but with us, we don't have that. We don't have our own G League team. We're pulling from others. So these guys are unfamiliar with what we normally run. They're unfamiliar with the team. They it's just a really, really difficult situation to bring those guys in throw them in there and just say, all right, good luck. It's tough. It's tricky. So I'll, I'll give them that. I'll give them that. You know, it's, it's frustrating to watch the team lose every time they lose. It's frustrating to watch, but I actually feel okay about this one. Given the circumstances, I've kind of hit a point in this season. I was reading one of the articles you wrote that was a fan that wrote in and you were talking about how when your house floods, you have options. You can just, you know, you kind of sit there looking at it, trying to take it all in and figure out what to do and then where to go from there. And I'm kind of at the point where my house is flooding and I've pulled out a lawn chair and I'm sticking my feet in the water and soaking it up and just enjoying, you know, the, the new pool. Um, I am at a point where I have come to terms with where we're at this season. I 
am okay with that. I am going to make the best of it. I'm going, I actually got excited about this game because I thought, okay, here's some players that I'm not familiar with that I haven't watched before. It'll be fun to see what they can do um, on both sides of the, of the teams. And, and that's what I did. And so I'm at that point of denial. I'm okay with it. Dave, I, I'm, I've made peace and, and here we are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the expectations have to change, obviously. And already people are starting to talk about, well, is the lottery a more viable option? Yeah, I mean, it is at this point. There's zero doubt about it. If the Blazers could hit lucky in the lottery, all of a sudden uh, they are looking at a, a renewed hope next year. And that hope is going to be otherwise pretty much absent. Then what do you look for if you're no longer looking for a title and you're just hoping Dame stays healthy and recovers and you're not looking for a trade on the court? I mean, off the court, perhaps. But what do you look for? Well, you look for little gleams of hope. Uh, how is Nasir Little doing? How is Anthony Simons? Is Larry Nance Jr. Uh, look like he's going to be a keeper? And that's that's actually... I mean, if you want uh, what's morphing for me over the last three weeks or so, look, you, you gave Nance Jr. the first couple months of the season to settle in. And especially since nothing has been stable, it's not fair to judge him entirely because he's brand new uh, to this roster. And this roster isn't even this roster now. But what you were thinking when Nance Jr. came in is, okay, under the best of circumstances, he will help. And even under the worst of circumstances, maybe he becomes one of those guys who becomes more than he has been, right? Because there have been flashes from him in his NBA career of like, wow, this guy could be something. The door is wide open. It's never been wider open. It's just not there for him right now. I mean, I, look, I, his defense is Larry Nance-like. Fantastic. I mean, I, I don't want to, I'm not I'm trying to undersell him or slight what he can do. He does, he defends, help defends just fine. His offense is shaky. Uh, he's a decent passer, but there's no one to pass to. And it's just pretty clear that he needs a, a lot of infrastructure around him at this point, And it's just not there. And it's just not looking great. And yeah. that's disappointing. Yeah, I think for me, that's where it comes down to is, is this is a team that was built. You know, Larry Nance was brought in to play a specific role with the players we currently had. He was very clear about that. He talked about the fact that he was coming to be a role player, that he knew what his job was, that his job was not to come in and be a star, that his job was to come in and support the guys that were there. And I think he did that really well. The problem now is that's not the team we are anymore. It's essentially piece by piece kind of fallen apart. And, and that's not even entirely through the fault of the team. We've had injury, we've had COVID protocols, and here we are with this team that's essentially kind of unrecognizable right now. Um, and so you, you have a guy like Larry Nance who was brought in to do a very specific job with very specific players who no longer has those very specific players around him. It makes it a little bit more difficult to do that very specific job. So I think that's what we're, in my opinion, that's what we're seeing from him. I think he did a good job filling the role that we brought him in for, but right now that role is, has changed and it's just a matter of, can he kind of shift how he's playing and everybody's having to do that right now. Everybody's having to shift how they play because they aren't able to play with the people that they normally play with the way that they normally play. So on top of all the changes, the Blazers have already gone through this season with changing coaching and, and their entire way of playing. They're now having to adjust to whatever player may be out due to health and safety pro protocols 
and then whatever new player may be coming in to fill in those roles. So it's kind of this constant like adjustment. And uh, so far, that's not really something we're great at. This team tends to be, and this is just my observation, but it seems like this is a team that tends to do what they do and they do what they do well, really well. And they do what they don't do well, not well. (laughs) I don't know if that made sense. They're really good at the things they're really good at. They're not really good at the things that they're not really good at. And so we're kind of in this weird place right now where they're having to try to adjust and they're just struggling. They're just struggling to do that. I don't think this is the only team. I think this season, if ever there was an asterisk on a championship, (laughs) this is the season, not the bubble, not the shortened season, nothing else. Like this season is just being thrown so many curveballs right now that it's like, it's, it's, it's wild. It's just wild. Yeah. It's not, it's not curveballs. It's a dunk tank at this point. Nasir Little is the most redeemable part of this season that I can point to. Like, okay. So Little looks good. I mean, in the Dallas game, he was clearly, first of all, he was back. He was aggressive on offense. He was himself on defense. He's one who looks like, okay, there's a big gap to fill. So I'm going to play big time to fill it. And I don't have anything to lose. So I'm going to go out and win. That's great. Anthony Simons, role adjustment, all the things that we've talked about. Plus, he's not the two-way player that Little is. Not quite doing that. Uh, Larry Nance Jr., not quite doing that. Robert Covington has disappeared. Yusuf Nurkic has stepped up, but he's not staying healthy. Cody Zeller has not existed. Damian Lillard is slumping, and CJ McCollum has been hurt and is not entirely a fit either. So, like, what do you you look at? It's literally Nasir. (laughs) Like, okay, the entire season. This is a season of little. Uh, And it's... It's not enough. That's an ironic statement. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yes. It would have been enough in 2015. In 2021, it's, it's, oh, yeah, it it, it hurts. It's a season of little in a lot of ways. I will say, though, it's really fun to watch him shine. He is a really fun player to watch. He's one of these players that if he continues on this trajectory that he's currently on, he is going to make a name for himself much more than he already has. And I think he's going to get people's attention. Uh, I see a lot of people talking about him outside of just the Blazers world. You know, he, he's getting, he's getting some attention, which is good and bad. You know, I'm hoping we get to hold on to him because I think he's like you said, right now, he's one of the, one of the bright spots in a somewhat difficult season. Um, So I, I hope we hold on to him. Well, I mean, it's a difficult season. I should say this though. It's not just difficult because they're struggling. It's difficult because it's hard to identify for what they're struggling. You know, there's a certain point at which economically, for instance, you work in a job because you hope to advance or you hope that that somehow, even if this job doesn't change your life, that it will lead to other things that will. And you will reach a certain standard that you find acceptable. At the point you realize you're working so you can get up and work tomorrow... And that's all this is ever going to be. Okay, granted, a lot of people have to do that. And I'm not saying you quit. I'm not saying, you know, I don't want to like rub salt in the wounds or be a downer at all. I empathize with everybody going through that. And it's happening increasingly. That realization does change your life. That realization, you're all of a sudden, there's something that's sucked out of it 
uh, that you you wanted there to be something more. You want to be working for something bigger than just eating and working. The Blazers are kind of right now working to play the next game, and that's it. I mean, they're working to feed their families, you know, to, to be in the NBA, and they'll play this game so they can get to the next one. You know, it's just... That's that's the culture. That's the spirit surrounding this right now. And I believe Damian Lillard, Lillard is trying to overcome and break it. Maybe other people are as well. But oh boy, you can't see a way out of this. And so why 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 are we doing it? Why are we? There's no bigger answer other than they're an NBA team and they exist. I've got to tell you, that's a little tough right now at the at the height of Lillard's career. Yeah, I mean, I still keep going back to I have hope <laughs> that we have a new GM, trade deadlines coming up, maybe something's going to happen. I'm just holding on to that hope. I don't know that that's rational, but it's what's getting me by <laughs> that and, you know, the new pool I've got in my house. I just think it's one of those things where it feels like we're kind of going in circles and we're stuck in the, you have your, do you guys have where you live? Do you have those turn? I don't know what they're called. Turn ways or something where you turnabouts. get turnabouts where the it's circle. like a circle you drive. It's, it's a straight road and then you hit a circle and that's like, instead of stop yeah. signs, you go in a circle and then you have yeah. to get out. Have you ever gotten stuck in one of those? No, but I've seen elf when he gets stuck in the revolving <laughs> door and that's, that actually looks <laughs> yeah. fun. This is not the fun version of this. I have gotten stuck in one of those in my car where I just, there was so much traffic. I live in LA. There was so much traffic. I could not get myself out. And you just go around and around and around and it gets exhausting. And then it kind of gets to a point where it's like, well, this is where I'm at. I'm just going to go in circles till it gets easy to get out. And I kind of feel like that right now. I kind of feel like I'm going in circles and I've just kind of accepted that I'm going in circles and there's going to come a point where it's going to be easy to get out, but we're not there Right now, we're just going in circles. Have you seen Elf? I have seen. Oh, of course I've seen Elf. Okay, well, yes. just make sure, because there are a lot of things you don't do, like, you know, eat food with flavor and stuff that I <laughs> I have to ask the basic things. Christmas movies are, are my jam. I'm a big binge Christmas oh, oh, movie Oh, let's watcher. go there in a minute. But you know that scene where Buddy gets on the elevator and hits every button? Yeah. You know, and that's that's the fun part. Like, we should be Buddy. We should be going. Right. The Blazers should be going, woo this is great. 82 games, right? No, no, yeah. no. The, the Blazers and, and all of us who are along with them are the guy riding the elevator with Buddy who just wants to get <laughs> to floor to 67. Yeah, and floor. Just, yeah. Oh, who did this? The injury gods, oh. the COVID, whatever's the, okay, you know, uh, XGM. I don't know, but like, blam, 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 blam. I hope that was fun for you because this sucks for us. Yeah. And it's, I mean, really, like, I. I struggle to even put all the fault on the players. Like, yeah, we could be playing better. There are things that could be doing, you know, that we could be doing better. But the fact is like between the injury, between COVID, between the coaching changes, between the GM getting fired, between moves not being made, between this being a roster issue, which it clearly is, I struggle to even really put a lot of blame on them. Like, I feel like if, we weren't injured, if we weren't battling COVID, if we had adjusted to the coaching changes, if we had changed the roster, we would not be in this situation. And none of those things are the fault of the players. None of them. So yeah, while obviously they're the ones playing and, and you know, there are nights where we think, dang, I wish this guy would have had a better game or man, this guy should have defended better or this guy wasn't shooting well. Yeah, obviously we think those things, but 
all of those things could be circumvented with this, all of these other things that are not their fault. So it's a tricky place. Right. But they wouldn't be contending. I mean, they showed that even early on. And I get that there was an adjustment period, but you've got several plays that are running to conclusions that just don't produce, okay? So it's like, okay, you draw it up where player B covers for player A and then player C rotates over to cover for player B, but player C can't play defense. So it's like you plug that socket in on that play and there's no power. And even though structurally it looks okay, you you can plug it in all day long and that light is not going to light up. The Blazers are about in that situation uh, and other teams know it. I mean, I don't think, here's the thing too. I'm not sure the teams are trying anymore. They're putting forth a certain amount of targeted effort, opponents are, and succeeding. And everybody started to build. It's like, okay, easy out. And it's like, oh, that goals. And I again, part of that is because of the stuff you mentioned. But I'm not sure that would be that much different if the Blazers were completely healthy and the rest of the league was completely healthy. Change, obviously, needs to be made. But anyway, they are where they are. There's nothing. It's, it's funny yeah. because there's nothing that happened this week other than COVID. That changed right. anything, and COVID but didn't man, did change that things. Happen. It cemented it. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we should yeah. get into that, and then before we're done, we got to get to your favorite Christmas movies because we're still in the season. But anyway, yeah, COVID. Yeah, COVID just is killing us right now. We've got. I was just gonna look on our list here. I believe we have seven players: Yusuf Nurkic, Cody Zeller, Keldon Blevins, Robert Covington, Ben McLemore, Dennis Smith Jr., Trenton Watford. And then CJ McCollum is also out, obviously, with his his injury. That's a big hit. That's a lot of our, our main players. You know, we had an interesting starting lineup for that game against the Mavericks. It was, I'm trying to even remember what it was. It was Dame, Nasir, Norman Powell, Snell, and Larry. So Lillard, Powell, Little, Snell, Nance was our starting lineup. That's not a lineup I ever thought we would see starting this season. I don't know about you, but that was unexpected. So yeah, COVID has hit us and we we lasted a long time. You know, there were a lot of teams in protocols for a long time before Portland had even one. Now we've got seven. And then we've also got uh, Chauncey Billups, obviously the head coach, as well as Roy Rogers, was there another coach as well that I'm missing? I am not sure because I've not kept up with the Christmas whatever. It's been- Yeah. Okay. So and you know with that we've signed G League players. We've got Jaron Cumberland, Cameron McGriff, and Brandon Williams, and I think we just signed one more today if I'm not mistaken. I would have to go back and look who it is. But anyway, so we've, we're bringing guys in that, you know, are not familiar with our team, that our team is not familiar with. COVID's hitting hard right now. It's not just our team. It's all the teams um, or almost all the teams. So it's, it's running rampant uh, and it doesn't look like it's, you know, going away right now. I, I don't know what this is going to look like as the season continues, but it seems like it's pretty prevalent. Well, it's a little moment. scary because everyone's shrugging. I mean, the CDC has reduced recommendations from 10 days of quarantine to five, I believe, uh, if you're asymptomatic. The NBA is shortening their quarantines as well. Adam Silver has come out and muttered things about 
well, at a certain point, we're just going to have to live with this because it's not going away. And yep. you just feel like, okay, everybody's just reached a breaking point and is going, screw it. I mean, this is just, you know, it's funny because, like, you tried so hard. They tried so hard, especially the Blazers. And got so far. And got so <laughs> and far. And in the end, it doesn't and, even matter. Bam, it got them, you know. And, and hopefully it doesn't matter. I mean, the scary thing for me is what's the long tail on this? And if we lose even a couple athletes, and I don't mean, I'm sorry, I don't want to be crass. I, 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 I don't mean fatalities. I think if you're young and healthy and hopefully the NBA population is small enough that statistically that's not very likely, although God forbid, yeah. you know. But for children, there's been some evidence that this has long-term effects, even for young people. And it would be harsh Obviously, I mean, I, and again, I should I should measure that because eight hundred thousand people in the U.S. have died alone. I, or, or eight, sorry, eight thousand people have died in the U.S. alone from COVID. So I'm, you know, I don't I don't mean to minimize that. I'm just talking from a sports perspective here. Right. It's going to be hard if if some players are looking at the end of their career because this got loose, and right. everybody's just kind of tired. And I know it's a battle we're fighting all the time. I fight it in every aspect of my life and trying to figure out what's safe and sane and healthy and all that stuff. Yeah. But I just, it just feels like too much. It feels like yeah. everybody's thinking it's too much. It's too much COVID. It's too much stuff for the Blazers. It's too much change. It's too much everything. And you can feel the gigantic whale but it's a silent one. It's not a wail of agony. It's a wail of, we wanted a road forward in every aspect and zero are appearing and we're wandering out around in the dark and screw it. We're just going this way and whatever happens, happens. I think everybody's reached that point and I don't know who turns that around. I don't think it's the players. I don't think it's the coach. Maybe Joe Cronin, if he can pull off a big move or something for the franchise. But I don't, I, even if they turn it around, I'm not sure who's turning it around for the NBA. The Brooklyn Nets have been decimated. I mean, they've got two of their three stars, like, not suiting up. The Los Angeles Lakers were supposed to be a marquee team, and even with players not affected by COVID, I mean, with just Anthony Davis' injury a little bit, and LeBron yeah. James this and that, and whatever Russell Westbrook is, they're, they look done. And it's like, okay, what? Who can? What? I, nobody knows. And there's just a bunch of throwing arms in the air all around the league. Unless you live in Phoenix or San Francisco, uh, you're basically going blah. You know, even Milwaukee has been yeah. up and down. And it's like I don't. And, and Philadelphia, Ben Simmons, this whole thing. You know, this would have been the year where they go. We have a shot if we put it all together, uh, and we can do this this year. And it's like, nope, not them either. And I don't know how to describe it. Sorry, it doesn't probably doesn't make for that interesting of a podcast. Other than blah, and everybody's going blah all at once. And it'll be really curious to see how people put together the pieces. Uh, and pick up and find a direction. But the good thing for Blazers fans is it's not just us, not just you, it's not just your team. Right. It's almost everybody. Uh, and so, I mean, what do you do? I don't know, except I guess you pick a direction and soldier through it, uh, or you just wait like everybody else has been doing. Yeah, it's just a really tricky thing. I've had some interesting conversations about this lately, and I had one this morning in Twitter spaces. We were talking about this, and... I was saying that I personally appreciate that the NBA has gotten creative about keeping the season going 
um, while still having guys out on health and safety protocols. You know, I think there's a part of me that thinks that they really just need to pause the season. I, it, to me, if if the, the solution here is, and I've said this, I think I said this last week on the podcast, the solution here is stop for two weeks, take a two week break. Two weeks gives it time to get out of every, even a week at this point, but I, like two weeks gives it time, you know, to, for the guys that are dealing with it, for it to run its course, to safely come out of that, take a two week break and then go from there. But if we're not going to do that, I do appreciate the fact that they're figuring out ways like bringing in the G league guys. I think, you know, it's, I hear a lot of people saying that they're putting money first, they're putting money before health and all that stuff. And I get that perspective and I understand that. Um, and I think that there's probably something to that. But I also think that it's easy to forget that it's not just players' money. It's not just advertisers' money. It's also, you know, the people, the staff of the team. It's the, the media. It's the arena staff, you know, all of those people, their jobs and their livelihoods also depend on this and keeping the season going. So I understand, I get it. I think that there's a lot of, of nuance here. I think there's a lot of pieces of this. And so it's a complicated thing. I'm personally, and I've said this over and over again, and I've continually had this battle, but I'm a big fan of what they're doing with bringing in the G League guys. I love it. I think it's great. You know, I, again, I had this conversation this morning and we were talking about the fact that there are a lot of people who watch basketball nowadays for specific players. It used to be, I feel like it used to be a time where people followed a certain team. You know, I was a trailblazer fan. It didn't matter who was on the team. I was a trailblazer fan. When Clyde got traded, I was still a trailblazer fan. I rooted for Clyde on the, on the Rockets, but I was a trailblazer fan. I think now more often than not, people are LeBron James fans or Steph Curry fans or whatever, pick a player. They become fans of players more so than teams, which is fine. But if you're a fan of a player, if you're, for instance, a LeBron James fan, and so you buy tickets to the Laker game because you want to see LeBron James play, people are are complaining about the fact that now we're not getting to see the guys that we pay to play, to pay, that we pay to watch play. But my counter to that is, first of all, you run that risk any time of any normal season. In any normal season, you run the risk of a player being hurt, of a player being sick with something obviously not COVID related before this all happened, um, of a player being rested or even being traded. You just, there are so many things that can happen that you run the risk of not seeing those players play. Um, so to me, that's just a risk that you take and you go and you watch a good game of basketball regardless. The other argument that I've heard a lot of people making is that, you know, kids like uh, or younger people, you're taking a kid like I have for instance, I'll use my son, Jesse, as an example. My four year old is obsessed with CJ McCollum. He knows who he is. He is a CJ McCollum fan. That kid would die to go to a game and watch CJ McCollum play. He would be thrilled. And he would be the kid that would say he wants to go to a Blazer game to watch CJ McCollum play. Now, let's say that I take him to a Blazer game. I live in L.A., so let's say I, I book a flight, I book a hotel, I fly up to Portland so my son can sit and watch CJ McCollum play in a basketball game, and then CJ McCollum isn't playing in the basketball game. He's going to be disappointed. He's going to be bummed that CJ McCollum isn't playing. But he's a child, and children feed off of the energy around them. If I, as an adult, say, you know what, he's hurt. And, and he needs to rest. He needs to take care of himself. He needs to get better so that he can, you know, 
play again. He's a human being before he's a basketball player. He's not just a robot we put out there. You know, we got to make sure that he's taking care of himself. Let's find someone else that we can root for tonight. Who else is out there that you think you'd like to cheer for? And let's find, let's encourage him to find a different player. I am guaranteeing you the first guy that he sees dunk, he's going to be thrilled to cheer for. He is not going to, he's not going to be bothered by the fact that it's not CJ McCollum. And I think that it's really important to teach that to, to these kids that are so wrapped up in players and things like that. It's our job as, as parents or as the adults that are taking them into these situations to give them that perspective. I also think that CJ McCollum or Danny Lillard or Steph Curry or LeBron James, they weren't always your favorite player. Something happened to make them your favorite player. It, maybe it was the hype around them. Maybe it was the team they played for. Maybe it was the number they wore or the fact that you liked how they played. Whatever it was, something happened to make them your favorite player. And in order for that to happen, you had to be exposed to them. So to me, when you have these guys coming up and everyone's like, well, I don't even recognize this team. I don't even know who this player is. Well, get to know them. Maybe they'll become your favorite player. You never know. Maybe this is a guy who's coming up and getting his opportunity while this is all going on. And he's going to find himself in the NBA like a Gary Payton or a Cameron Payne who played for quite a while in the G League and pushed their way into the NBA. And now, you know what? There are little kids who are paying to go to games to see Cameron Payne. And there are little kids who are paying to go to games to see Gary Payton. And that's because they made their way into the NBA and they made a name for themselves. And I truly think that in this time where we're watching these G League guys come in and we're watching them fight, they are going to play their hearts out. They are going to play good basketball because they want to be there and this is their chance. And that guy that is on the G League, that is now playing in the NBA may eventually become your kid's favorite player. So that's my spiel. I didn't mean to get on my soapbox, (laughs) but I did. I'll just stop at that. It'll be interesting. And I assume that we'll come to more of a resolution by spring on all of this, although maybe I should not, but it'll be interesting to see if this year the team that succeeds most is also the team that is healthiest, which is often true in terms of injuries, but in terms of COVID. I think yeah. that's the big caution. Uh, I, I'm on board, and I'm on board with all of it, I guess, until we get to the playoffs. Because yeah. frankly, I should say this too. Almost everybody nowadays, well, let's put it this way, just about everybody who can afford to go to a game can also afford to stream that game. It costs you less to to get a whole season on League Pass uh, than it does to buy two reasonably priced tickets to one game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, obviously cable bills and whatever are higher than that. But still, if you're if you're seriously considering seeing many games, you also have the option to see them out of arena, usually. Right. Uh, up in arms with all the root sports people who now can't see it. I get it. So I, I, I'm on board with that in terms of, yeah, I think it's possible to say, if you really want, to, if you really want to watch, you still can watch COVID or no COVID, and you can make your choice, and so be it. Until we get to the playoffs, obviously we're a long ways away from there now. But I, I'm not worried so much about seating or order. I, I'm just worried about content. You know what? Yeah. Let's just. I, th- I thought about this the other day in a weird kind of bizarre world kind of way. Let's say the Blazers return mostly COVID-free, and everybody else is battling with this variant for a, a long time. You have Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, who can both play, and Yusuf Nurkic. And all of a sudden, they look like powerhouses in the West when you know that they're probably a 45-48 to win team, fully healthy against the rest of the league. Now, all of a sudden, they're knocking on the doors of the conference finals. Does that feel the same, even if you're a fan of that team? I mean, I think we would take it. 
But there's a certain amount of credibility that gets lost ac- across the nation if that ends up being the scenario in spring. You know, that, that, that a team that stays relatively uh, unvirus infected is, is also a dominating powerhouse because of it. I don't think we're there, but I think that, that for me is the, the hard limit. If it's a choice between stopping things and getting things more balanced and settled and yeah. regular and going ahead with something like that just to have a playoffs, I'd rather yeah. have the balanced and regular for the sake of everyone involved. But I don't get yeah. a vote. And like I said, at this point, I think the NBA and everybody else is just going, okay, forget trying to contain it, forget trying to solve it. How do we get through it is the operative question. Right. And I agree. I agree. You know, like I said at the beginning of that rant, I I think the the solution really is to pause the season for a couple weeks, let everybody get healthy again. Uh, you know, I mean, this time of year is cold and flu season, so it's not surprising that people are struggling. I mean, on top of obviously another variant, the fact that people are seemingly contracting it at a higher rate is not really that surprising to me. I I would be interested to know last at this time of year last year if we saw an uptick in it as well because i feel like just with the cold and flu spreading the way it does this time of year it wouldn't it wouldn't be surprising i obviously know the two are not the same but it it seems to me like this is a season like seasonally it it just spreads things at this time of year for whatever reason so it it would be interesting to me to see if that's the case and if it is then you know that's promising because i think you're right i think once we get into spring and and you know things will hopefully slow back down um so i don't know i i agree i think you need to kind of put a stop to it i my thing is like if 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 you've allowed teams to play the way that they are with you know, with the roster changes and things like that, the way that they are in order to decide who goes into the playoffs, but then you pause and let everybody get healthy before the playoffs. And so then they're going in with their full rosters. You're dealing with different teams playing in the playoffs than the teams that made the playoffs. So that's a tricky thing for me. I just don't think there's really a good answer here. I think the good answer would have been pausing the season, but I don't think that that's something that is going to happen. It seems like Adam Silver's made that pretty clear that that's not where we're going. So I don't know. It's, I am choosing to see the silver lining here in that, you know, this is 10 years from now, we're going to be telling our kids about this, you know, 10 years from now, we're going to be talking about the season where it was a bunch of G league players. And Hey, by the way, this guy that, you know, that, you know, made a name for himself. This is how he got into the NBA. It was this season back in 2021 where everybody was, you know, out with COVID and he got an opportunity to play. Um, and I think that's kind of, I, I don't want to say it's kind of cool because it's terrible circumstances, but I'm choosing to try to find those silver linings in this. And I, I think that they're there. Um, I personally hope that at the end of this, more teams choose to invest in G League teams. Maybe ours will. Um, I hope that we see a, a, an uprise in, in support for that for that league. I, I'm always an advocate for that. But as for now, it's it's a really it's there's just it feels chaotic. It feels like we just never know what's going to happen. We never know who's going to be healthy. We never know if games are going to be played or canceled. And it just feels chaotic. It feels like chaos. I'm glad this isn't my job. I'm glad it's not my job to make these decisions. We'll see what the new normal feels like. I mean, the Blazers will have more games coming up. They will have played Utah by the time we talk again. And if they couldn't beat Dallas, I mean, can they beat Utah even without Donovan Mitchell? It'll 
apparently be absent, but I don't know. I don't know. Who do you, who do you trust the Blazers to beat anymore? No, nobody at, at this point. And, but then you don't count them out necessarily either. How long before this starts to look like a lost season? The one season that couldn't be lost. I mean, and that's, we're not there yet, but if we're still talking like this for podcasts from now, if we're still talking like this in, uh, as February approaches, boy, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you. This this feels like Control-Alt-Delete. This feels like it's not just that things reached a natural end. It's like the world collapsed on top of this franchise. And now you dig out of the rubble and you begin a whole new era. But that's, I, I try not to be down. I Look, I'm not depressed about this. I'm not feeling it. It's just, I'm looking at this with, I'm aghast. You never could have predicted this. Even those of us who are saying three, four years ago, you need to do something now. You need to do something now because the, the inevitable end of this is not what you think it is. And it's, it's not likely to be pretty. Nobody could have predicted this. And gosh, I want them to give us a reason to talk about something else, to talk about something that just goes, okay, this, this is, gosh, look at them. Look at what they're doing. Look at this fire. Look at this determination. Look at this superstar, Damian Lillard. Look at this anything. I would take any point of light. Uh, and again, props to Nasir Little for holding up his little lighter and going, here I am. But, uh, you know. Okay. Three, three, four weeks. Let's give them three, four more weeks, and then maybe we start talking about next year already. So to close this out, I have a fun, because we need to end this on a positive note, I have a fun theoretical question for you. All right. With the resurgence of, you know, they're bringing in G League guys, but they're also bringing back some veterans. We've seen a few of those. So, Dave, if you were going to bring back a veteran player, to the Portland Trailblazers. It has to be a blazer just for this, for the sake of this argument, a, a previous blazer. Who would you bring back? I didn't give Dave any, this is just off the like, spur of the moment. So Dave hasn't had any time to think about this. Who would you bring back? I can't have Seth Curry, can I? I mean, he's already in the league. I know. That's why. <laughs> I mean, Retired, he's the one I want. Veteran players. I, oh. I agree. I would love to have Seth Curry back. If that ever it becomes available... If, if that trade ever becomes a reality, I would jump all over that. I mean, doesn't it, it just feels like, yeah, I still think of him as something that could have been. And, you know, I understand that the Blazers couldn't keep him. I understand why they couldn't keep him, but that didn't make it any less difficult. It's just that, like, he's the guy, like, you found him. You found him. And he was here for a year. You know, he was only here for a year. I mean, I, by the way, under the same principle, I would take Kerry Trent Jr. Can I have him? No, Dave, it has to be a veteran. It has to be somebody who is no longer playing in the NBA, but who could come back. Yes. I mean, I realize that I'm just wishing <laughs> because, you know, that would be okay. Uh, I mean, here's the problem is that over recent years, the Blazers have spent out their veterans. I mean, they've, they've spent them and to the point where they're not that valuable anymore. So there's a relative lack of people that you would go, that guy, I want that guy. I mean, what do you say, Evan Turner? I mean, we he's probably the most multi-talented. He would fit fun. somewhat with the system. I mean, Ed Davis would be an emotional, like, name he would not fit 
I, I'm scratching my head to think of anybody who's not way okay. too old. So here's what I here's what I think would be fun. Go this is it. a little bit of a, a shift from the question I asked you. I'm okay. cheating a little here. That's fine. But I keep ever since I got the opportunity to sit and talk to Adam, Clyde's son. I thought, how fun would that be for him to get to come? You know, I mean, we've got guys. I won't mention names. There are people on our mm, in this current <laughs> state of the NBA. Yes. Where we are, you know, bringing guys in from other leagues. How fun would that be to bring? I mean, Portland would love that. Portland would love that. And I think that would be kind of cool. I don't know how he'd fit. I don't know his game well enough to know how he'd fit. But I think that would be cool. I'm with you. It's hard to come up with a veteran trailblazer. There isn't anybody. I mean. Well, that's. and, And the thing is, like, these guys that retire, they retire. They're not. The only guys like the guys like Lance Stevenson um, and, and, you know, these guys that are coming back, they've been working out. Lance Stevenson has continually worked out trying to get back into the NBA since he left. He never stopped. So the guys that retired and legitimately retired are not in a state where they could come back and play basketball right now at the professional level. Like they're just not, even if they still had skill and talent left you have to be a guy who kept up with your workouts and, and maintained your, you know, physical shape. And, and there aren't really a lot of those, especially not trailblazers. Yeah. I mean, and the players, the blazers got, were those veterans. I mean, they weren't that veteran in age, but they were veteran in spirit. They were the guys that everybody else was giving up on and the blazers were going to reclaim them and, you know, use them in different recipes and, and, and it works sometimes. I mean, al Aminu, more Harkless are the classic examples of players that the Blazers did really, really well with for based on the price they got them for. But that's all been done. And when the Blazers are done with you, unless they're done with you, I mean, there are two ways you go. You either go up like Curry did, like, okay, he's too valuable for the Blazers to keep now. Or you go out and there's a reason you went out because not even the Blazers yeah. will have you anymore. I, yeah. I, I literally the list at Noah Vonley. I mean Jamal Crawford. Okay. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I got uh, one. If he he been, I just presume someone signed him already. I don't think so. I don't think he has been because there was there was a an accidental. I don't know if you saw it several weeks back. The Blazers broadcast accidentally announced that he come to a deal with the Nets. I don't know where that came from. It was out of left field, but I've been watching since then to see if he would sign with someone and I have not seen that come up. So I don't think he's signed with anybody. I mean, there you go. You want some instant scoring? I mean, can we get Will Barton? I can go back on my old <laughs> jag of getting former Blazers that other people have, but all the former <laughs> Blazers that you want, other people have got them. All right, favorite yeah. Christmas specials, Dia. We've we've devolved in. Oh. I've, this has never happened to me, by the way. I mean, folks, I mean, I've been podcasting for a minute now, on and off. I was uh, out of the game for a while intentionally before Dia picked me up. But what's going on this year is outside even my experience. And I have a fair bit of experience. There's no way, there's no analogy to what's going on in the world or around the NBA right now, let alone with the Blazers. I mean, every podcast I know before us has done this. Well, let's talk about something. And yeah, I mean... Christmas specials. That's what I got right now. This week, anyway. There could be more this week. But one game and it sucked and everybody's out and the whole league is in turmoil and nobody's fielding a, a normal team. So, Dia, you're a Christmas special aficionado. What are your faves? 
I am a sucker for cheesy. So, okay, this is something you have to know about me before we have this conversation. I feel deeply when it comes to to movies. And I am someone who I cannot watch like horror movies. I can't watch because I will put myself in the place of the people and I will be terrified for weeks. I can't do it. I have this like weird, I don't know. I put myself in that place and I can't separate from the movies I watch. It's very weird. And, and I've had a lot of stuff in my life. And so I crave happy endings when it comes to movies. I feel like life is difficult enough I want my movies to end happy. I want the guy and the girl to end up in love and happily ever after. I want everybody dancing and singing around them, maybe not literally, but that I like movies like that. I like feel good movies. I also really like trying new movies. So like I went through Netflix and watched a bunch of random nameless Christmas movies that no one's ever heard of. And there were a couple that were great. There were a couple that were awful, Dave. They did not end well. And those do not count as Christmas movies for me because Christmas movies should make you feel good. And I like, there were a couple that I was bawling at the end of, and I was like, I hate everything. So, um, but my all time favorites that I watch every single year. And now I make my children watch every single year. Uh, and you just, to me, you cannot find a better Christmas movie than this uh, is Tim Allen, the Santa Claus. I love all three of them. I watch all three of them every year and Elf was a favorite, but I feel like I overdid it and I watched it too many times and now I just don't love it as much. But uh, those are my favorites. Another like kind of obscure one that I've decided I really love in the last couple of years, especially if you like Elf, it's called Noel and it's on Disney Plus. It's a Disney movie starring Anna Kendrick and it's essentially a girl version of Elf and it's really cute. Um, very feel good, you know, happy, fun, funny movie. So... Those are my favorites. Dave, what about you? I'm more bound in tradition, I think. Okay. Although there are certain Christmas movies I've never seen. I've never seen It's a Wonderful Life. I've never what? S- I've never seen Miracle on 34th Street. What? Um, Dave! We have watched Holiday Inn and White Christmas, but those were only like three or four years uh, that I've seen those. So here's what we do, though. One year... It was before Christmas. There was a huge deal on subwoofers. This was like 10 years ago, 12 years ago, on very specific, really pretty expensive subwoofers that went on super affordable. And so I had a home theater, you know, speakers, so I got subwoofer. And that was before Christmas. And so we put in Polar Express. And I don't know if you've seen Polar Express. I have. But you know when the train comes down the street for the first time and the whole room shakes? With this subwoofer, the room literally shakes. And, you know, my son was like three at the time. He's like shaking on the couch, bouncing up and down. We're looking at each other going, whoa. I mean, he's not moving. The couch (laughs) is moving. And so that's been a thing. Like every Christmas since for both of my children, we watch Polar Express. We watch Elf now. That's coming to the rotation since they are older. We watch the Nativity Story usually. And we watch Rankin-Bass specials. We always watch the big three, the Rudolph and the Heat Miser, Cold Miser, and where Santa Claus came from. But we also usually pick a couple more obscure ones that are really actually pretty bad, and we laugh at them. So we have the whole collection of those. And so we will, at different weekends or different times, we will simply watch uh, those kind of in rotation. And it's funny because, like I said, it's our first Christmas this year where we were at separate families, and so I'm... 
feeling my way through how this is going to go, which is dependent on how the kids want this to go, right? And, and my daughter is like, when are we going to watch Christmas movies? Like, I go, I want to watch Christmas movies. It's like, okay. And we plotted out a couple to watch every weekend, and we did it. And it's like, okay, Christmas still is here. That's great. So anyway, that's a big part of our routine. But we, we tend to watch the same six uh, every season, and that makes us feel like it's that time of the year, and we're home. I like that, too. I think I tend to gravitate towards the same ones. Um, it's interesting now because I'm kind of going back and re-watching movies that I haven't watched in a while now that I have kids that are old enough to kind of watch some of these movies. And man, some of them that I remember really loving are really terrible, like just cheesy, corny, like over the top, even for me. Um, my kids like them, but for me, I, I watch these and I think, why did I love this movie? I think Home Alone is another one that I just always love. It's a fun one. They love it. I've never There's- seen that one either. What? My children have at this point, but no. Dave, I can't believe you've never seen Home Alone. There's like, I think there's like three of those now. I haven't seen the sequels, but I've seen the first one and it's fantastic. It's it's really cute. Although I did realize that my youngest was maybe a little too young to watch it this year when he started being afraid that I would accidentally leave him. So, oops. <laughs> what can you do? Yeah. Oh man, well, that's a that's a that's a good way to end. A positive note. Very good. Well, I'm glad that your Christmas was reasonably decent and hopefully 2022 will be as well. Uh we it's going to be 2022 when we talk to each other again. So it is. Happy New Year to you and happy hopefully the Blazers will get some good news in 2022 or if not Good news. Hopefully, at least they'll have a good draft pick to spend in the draft. Yay! Go for the lottery. If you're going to do it, do it big. Because you have to give away that pick to Chicago if it's not a lottery pick. So, hey, you know, go for it. Uh, Use it while you got it. And, by the way, having them use it sooner rather than later is okay with me because they need that shot in the arm. And there are a lot of bigs who... uh, who are really relatively decent and can shoot or create shots and stuff like that in this year's draft. So yeah, uh, maybe I'll start quietly hoping for that and we'll see what happens. I don't think I can ever hope for that, but uh, I can also read the writing on the wall. So we may be there. (laughs) Or the claw marks from climbing up it for, (laughs) for Tia Miller. I'm Dave Deckard and we will see you again next week. A hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop, but then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave comes here now to you. She jams it. Boom, shakalaka. The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent. <laughs>